Blog Talk Radio. Show. This is where we tell our stories our way, right here in the heart of Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, for those listening, you can dial the number 646-716-5525, and don't forget to press that one button. Boy, we got a great show going on today in the studio. Miss Kim Jackson with KTUL TV, and also Miss Amber Hughes with Fox. 23. And we're going to be talking to these ladies and reference to, you know, a little chatting up and talking about where they're from and kids and marriage and all that kind of stuff and what they do uh, at their jobs and stuff like that. So we want you to stick around and we're going to be right back. I got to pay some of the bills right quick. So y'all just stick around. All right. Hi, I'm Denise Parker with Midtown Embroidery. We do it all from any type of promotional, from screen printing, embroidery, school uniforms, Greek lettering, workwear, monogramming. There's no job too big or too small and no location too far. Let us be your one-stop shop. We're located at 2808 East 15th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74104. Our phone number is 918-982-3254. Our email address is denise.tulsamidtown at gmail.com. Thank you. Hello, Tulsa. This is Janetta Toll with Sunday Dinner and More by Janet, your weekend soul spot. Every Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. We're located 531 East Apache in the historic Apache Circle Center. Of course, during these times, it's carry out only, but you can call 918-951-5143. That's Sunday Dinner and More by Janet. If your credit starts with a three, four, five, or six, this is for you. Did you know that it's costing you to have bad credit? You can't get qualified for that house or apartment and you're paying high interest rates, along with paying high car insurance, and it may be costing you that job that you really want. What are you waiting on? Take more of a holistic approach. Pick up the phone and call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626. With 13 amazing services, we restore and repair generations to come. Once again, call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626. If you know better, you do better. Only the Credit Shiro can help you to save the day. Advertise in the Tulsa Black-Owned Business Guide. It's a monthly publication reaching all of Oklahoma and beyond. 
giving exclusive content about your business and many businesses that are connected to you. Full page and half pages are available. Purchase and artwork are due on the 25th of each month. Visit us online right now at www.tulsabobn.com for more details. Or email us right now at tulsabobn at gmail.com for pricing. What's up, y'all? This is Charlie Wilson, and you listen to 89.9 FM. Hey, it's Alfre Woodard. When I'm in Tulsa, I keep it on K-Bob. That's how I find out what's really happening. KBOB 89.9 FM. All right. Hey, welcome back to the Bobby Eaton Show, where we tell our stories our way, located at 1533 North Norfolk, here in the heart of the community of North Tulsa. We tell our stories our way, and that's what we do right over here. Black owned, black paid for, blackity, blackity, black. You know, that's what we do. So, today, great show going on. Kim Jackson, how are we doing there, ma'am? Saturday, everybody. Bobby, thank you so much for having us on. Oh, yeah. Here with Amber Hughes. We see, I see Amber in the yeah, field Amber. all the time. How are we doing? Amber Hughes in the house, y'all. I'm doing good. I just woke up. You just woke up? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, glad to have you guys here on the show, you know, and it's rare that I can get you guys together like this, you know. We were trying, Naomi was trying to come at one time, you know, but she's got uh, family members and I just deal with who I know and what I can get. You know, we love her to death. So, anyway, we want to start. Let's see. I'm going to start. Everybody know Kim. You know, Kim been around for a long time. But I want to investigate you, Amber. Uh You know, for those listeners who don't know you as quite as well, where are you from and how did you get started? Okay. So, I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. And then around, what, 10 years old, I moved to Houston, Texas. That's where I went through middle and high school. <laughs> why you had to do that, like that face for Houston? Because <laughs> I lived in Houston. That's why, you know, I lived there 22 years. Okay, yeah. so it's a good place. Good place. Good Great place. place. I miss it. Yes. And so when it came to college, I went to Oklahoma State University, Go Pokes, B-O-U. That's where I went for uh, J school, graduated with actually a sports media degree, because at some point in my life, I thought I wanted to be a sports journalist. Uh, so <laughs> so you, you thought that, huh? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. And then I had an internship and I realized that sports is not what I want to do with life. But still in my first market, after I got out of school, I was actually a assignment desk editor, which is behind the scenes at a Fox 26 in Houston, where I'm from. So I did that for a year and then I got my first on-ear uh, job in Jackson, Tennessee. I had never heard of Jackson, Tennessee before I moved there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I went there. I was there for two years, and I was actually the weekend sports anchor. So oh, I did okay. use my degree. Yeah, you point. used it, huh? I used it. You know, so many uh, journalists here in Tulsa have came in here, you know, they not, haven't been able to use their degree. Mm-hmm. That They, you know, went to OU or OSU and mm-hmm. got a degree in journalism, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But Kim Jackson, Kim, you've been around here and we've been knowing you forever, you know, you know, and you've seen a lot of people come and go, but you're the hometown favorite. And um, tell everybody who don't know that you're from here. 
Okay, so everyone says, you've always been around. I'm not a dinosaur. <laughs> I have not always no. been here. <laughs> I've been here a long time. I'm yeah. so thankful to be a part of the Tulsa community. And I started as soon as I finished high school. I mean, the reason I've always Ooh, been here. What high school did you go to? Central High School. Uh-oh. Tulsa Central uh, Brave, baby. You were brave, Absolutely. Huh? Still a brave till I die. Then, brave I, is cool. then I went on yeah. to TU, TU Hurricane. All right, go Hurricane. Yeah. Top 25. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, I've been here a long time. And I have been here a long time because I became a young mom. I was a teen mom. Yeah, you mom. did. Yeah, you did. So my senior year in high school, I got pregnant. Not Uh-oh. just with one baby, but with twins. And somehow God saw fit for me to pursue my dream of becoming a broadcast journalist because that's what we called it back in 89. And mm-hmm. so I had the twins. I went on to college and they started school. And this was home. And this has been home for my entire career. Mm-hmm. Been home, huh? You've been doing well. You know, you've been here. You've been giving us a lot of information. Uh, well, I have only been back about four and a half, five years, but you've been doing it, you know, involved in community, reporting things of uh, that, that we, we need to know. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate that. And I'm humbled and I'm blessed that uh, God has kept me here and kept me in a position to hopefully every day educate, inspire, and motivate my community. And Mm so I'm very, very fortunate. You know, a lot of times little kids will come up to me and they want to take pictures. And I've been taking pictures and smiling with little girls for years. Mm -hmm. Maybe about like two years ago, a young lady stopped me and she said, I want you to know that When I was a little girl, I walked up to you and you gave me a hug in the grocery store. And I was like, oh, baby, was I nice to you? (laughs) You What did I say? Was I nice? She was like, oh, yeah. She said, I told you I want to be just like you when Mm -hmm. I grow up. And now that young lady is actually pursuing her dream of and she's working as a news reporter. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You never know who you're going to touch you and never who you're going to influence. You never know. You just don't never know. Amber. Yes, sir. You've uh, been doing this. Now, what markets do you find like? Is, is this a good market for you? Do you feel yeah, pretty yeah, good yeah. in this market? It's a good market. It's huh? a good market. It's a good market from expecting, uh, well, considering where I came from. <laughs> in Jackson, Tennessee was what, market 174. Uh-huh. So uh, here in Tulsa, what are we, in the 50s? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 58. So it's a good jump, a good market for me. And I've, so far, what I've been here, February will be three years for me. So mm-hmm. I've enjoyed my time that I've been here in Tulsa so, so far. You've been here for how long now? February will be three years. So Three, three years. Yeah. yeah. So we're coming up on that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's a long time. <laughs> it is. Hey, joining us is Brooklyn yeah. Degumbia, right? Yes. Brooklyn, how, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You You're doing good? Yeah. Great, great. Now. now, I'm looking at this and I see uh, you're the youngest. To join the journalism class, I say class here in Tulsa, <laughs> you know, and how do you feel about it? I feel good. I feel like I have an obligation as the youngest reporter to kind of hit a different audience, um, mm-hmm. Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, our station always tells us we don't have viewers on Twitter, but I prove them wrong every time. I'm like, oh, okay. retweets. Like, we do have people on Twitter. It's just not that 24 to, what is it, 54 that they always talk right. about. Mm-hmm. So just... You know, getting the younger people to actually get, watch yeah. TV and have the news in their mouth, just, mm-hmm. just knowing mm-hmm. that the local news is out there and for them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting right there. How long have you been here? One year. One year. Three years for you, Amber. Mm-hmm. 
one year for you, Brooklyn. And Miss Jackson, <laughs> you've been here how long on new doing news for us? Um, I've had the opportunity to serve my community more than 25 years. I've been at Channel That's 8 great. going on uh, 20 years. 20 years? Mm-hmm. Were you somewhere else before? No, I worked uh, initially when I graduated from the University of Tulsa. I, I got a job at Channel 2 immediately working as a producer. Okay. Shortly after that, I went to serve in Joplin at a station called KSNF, which is a small um, a small market um, television station. I worked mm-hmm. there for about six weeks. Um, six months? Six weeks? Yeah, mm-hmm. six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you a little about that later. Okay. Uh, and then I had an opportunity to come back here right away and work at OETA, which is the PBS station, as a reporter. And as a young mom who wanted to report, uh, gave me an opportunity to come home and have a lot of nice technology to work with. And so... And lock it in. Huh? I did. And, and then after that, uh, wanted to move on to commercial, went over to Channel 8. Okay, okay. Been okay. there ever since. Eight's been around for a long time. Yeah, Channel Eight. And Six's been around. Eight. Those channels too. Been around for a long time. Now, now that you guys, you're in the saddle. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of go. You have to come up with stories, right? Yeah. That is, and I heard that's a challenge. Is it? Sometimes I believe so. Huh? It is. It is. What's a challenge there, sometimes Amber? You just have to figure out what people are talking about and then hopefully what people care about. Mm-hmm. And then who can you get to talk about this mm-hmm. this thing and turn it around in, what, six hours to get on TV? So sometimes that could be challenging. It's not – I feel like a lot of people have the perception that we go into work every day and somebody hands us the story. Yeah, yeah Sometimes that like happens, that, huh? but usually that's not the case. Mm-hmm. We present the stories to our producers and our managers, and they're like, okay, I'll give you the green light. Go ahead and try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and get it. Yeah. Huh? you got to be good at pitching, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you got to show them it's right. worth it. Right. Where do you guys find your leads at? Well, I'm not going to reveal my story. <laughs> no, you know, it's really simple. You know, you keep your ear to the street as much as possible. You have people that you talk to and you just got to pay attention. If you're a part of your community, it's not hard. I mean, I've done it long enough. I can kind of get in the morning meeting. And those morning meetings, Bobby, can be so stressful because we're expected to come in with three leadable story ideas like that will lead the newscast, not just story ideas of things that Kim wants to do, because I can think of stories all day long. Like, this is a good story. Mm-hmm. That's a great story. But what does my news director and what does my editor think is going to be a great story? That's who I've got to convince. And people will call me, and it's up to us as journalists to fight for our stories, and that's why it's important to have a diverse um, newsroom so that you get coverage. So I can toss a story, and they say, we don't really like that one, and I can say, why not? And and then I I can fight, and I appreciate. That's where my experience Mm -hmm. really comes into play at my station because I've been here long enough, and I know. Have you ever presented a story, Kim, I'm asking you, Presented a story and they say no, we're not going to do that. And you say no, why not? And and you get real frustrated about it. I have had a couple of times of where I brought up stories that were important that maybe others didn't think were as important, or they thought they were too complicated, or for whatever reason. And I don't ever really get frustrated because if I stand behind a story, that there's a reason why, and eventually we're going to tell that story. So I really can't think of a story that I fought for that. Maybe I didn't get to tell it that day, but mm-hmm. the next day I was like, boom, I told you. I told you that, huh? There you go. Yeah. See? See? Listen to your girl sometimes. 
What about you, Amber, in Brooklyn? Have you guys... Uh, I just started learning that. Yeah. Just like how to fight for it. Because mm-hmm. Pull your mic like, up a little bit. There you go. Yeah. I'd pitch a story and they'd be like, I don't think we can do that. And I'd be like, okay. Um, well, I think this press release just came in the email. But now I'm like, no, but this person can talk and this person can talk. So. Yes. And the, I think the big thing is that there's always tomorrow, especially in our industry. I work Monday through Friday. So if I don't get to do it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there's something that has to go on air every day of the week. So there is a story that needs to be told, and we're going to get it on air, if not that day, the next day, hopefully. Is there a quota? Do you guys uh, have quotas? Like, all right, you know, like, well, you got to get at least two, three stories a day or 10 a week or, or something. Is there a quota? Well, at our station, we're pretty much required to do two stories a day. We've been trying to get away from that a little bit, though, because two stories is a lot, and we're like, okay, it's going to be two mediocre stories or one really good one. Right. Mm -hmm. So finally, we're pushing them a little bit, but we have a lot of newscasts. Yes. Fox 23 has a lot of hours of news, so they try to tell us we got to fill it somehow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about over at 8? We have tons of news. Um, It happens. It goes on all day, uh, starting from 4.30 in the morning. We've got a show, a Good Day Tulsa. We've got an 11 o'clock show, and we've got a 4 o'clock show, 5, 6, 7. Shows, huh? 5, 6, 7, but 4, 5, and 6. Uh, lots of shows, so we don't have a quota. So I'll say there's no quota, but mm-hmm. there's absolutely no limit either. Mm-hmm. So while there's no limit, that means you can start off on one story and be uh, on several stories by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Several stories. I huh? mean, like it could be like Kim, you go do this story. Okay, great, I got a good day. I got my story set up. Head now. Oh, Kim, there's a shooting. Oh wait. Right. Oh whoa. Mm-hmm. We want you to do this and that. So while there's no quota for me, like I have one story usually a day, but it goes in diff- several different newscasts. Mm-hmm. But I could cover several different things within the day. There's mm-hmm. no limit. Mm-hmm. So I, I noticed that you do anchor as well. You kind of do both. I'm huh? the weekend anchor. The wait, the weekend anchor. Now is that a lot better than being on the outside or how? What? What? What's good? I don't think you can really say like if one thing one is, is better, better than, than the other. other. I mean, certainly reporting has its um, advantages as well as anchoring. Anchoring, you know, it, it you become more the face of the station, sort of. You know, you're definitely a leader. People see you, mm-hmm. see you anchored. They you get more visibility. Mm-hmm. But reporting and being an advocate for your community and a voice to the community, um, standing up for what's right, it's important. Mm-hmm. And so. I, I I like both. I've heard that before. I've heard, talked to a lot of reporters, and some say, "Ooh, I don't want to be no anchor. I want to stay out in the field." You know what I mean? I like going out, and you know. Now let me ask you guys this: anybody can answer. Why is there such a great turnover of um, reporters here in in Tulsa, Oklahoma? I noticed because I've met, get to know them real good. Next thing I know, they're they're leaving. Why is the turnover ratio so high? People are just trying to move up. I think. Is that what it is? And we're yeah. under contracts, too. Hmm? We're under contracts. Yeah, and well. when the contract's over, they're gone. I'm when like, the contract's yeah. up, you also have to does management still want you to hang around? Do you still want to hang around? Is there somewhere you want to be? Like in my case, I'm from Texas. One day, my goal is to work in Texas, do the same thing at home. You want to go back to Houston, my, don't you? You hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. I want to go by my family, too. So that has to deal into that if you're going to go somewhere else, are you going to stick around? It's just what's best for you in your life. This is still a career. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you have to make career choices. Yeah, I've noticed that. You know, sometimes it's just short term, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is an industry that thrives on mobility, and it is always, you know, constantly moving up. And Amber was talking to us about her um, early experience 
I mentioned my early experience working in Joplin, which is market hundred and something. I mean, back then I was just out of college and they were still using typewriters. So, you know, yeah. You know, okay. but that was still not not that long ago because the stations here had much better equipment, you know, more technology taking place. Right. Mm-hmm. And so those smaller markets, so it's just a difference, you know, but you go there and you learn how to do what you do, how to tell stories, you get experience. And then you come to a market. Tulsa's not really it's become more so of a starter market now, but Tulsa did not used to be a starter market. This was a mid market a place where you aspire to land. So explain that when you say starter market, mid-market, what does that mean? Well, TV markets go up into the 200s, and, you know, um, you can think of a small town that has um, a small TV station, and that's typically where people go start their careers, and they're considered, we used to call them one-man bands, (laughs) <laughs> now they're a multimedia journalist. Okay. You know, you you shoot, you edit, and you you know report all yourself. And so you go there, spend a couple of years there, then move up a little bit, and hopefully land like in a mid market or even go higher. Well, now the way technology is and the way the business is, a student just getting out of college can end up in a top twenty market very easily. That fast, huh? That fast. Now. They'll, they will be an MMJ most likely, and they may uh, be paid uh, with publicity. <laughs> uh, not, you know, so sometimes the pay isn't what you think it would be to work in the top 20 market, but that's just the way the industry is changing because media is changing. You know, you can have a TV station. You got a radio network. Yeah, I know, I know it. <laughs> so, you know, things yeah. are different. And people are able to embrace the technology to get their point across out here because people nowadays kind of pick and choose their entertainment, their news sources and all of that. You know, I had the opportunity of taking, when I took the juice to Atlanta, I took them to Atlanta and I got a chance to look at the guts of CNN, talk to some of those producers at CNN and saw some of the work that they were doing. And it's, it was just like being in a spaceship to me, you know, <laughs> really, that's what it felt like, you know, because all this technology and stop post, go here, pan left, pan right. You know, it was just, it was just so much going on. And I was like, wow, you know, yeah. and I guess the more you learn of that technology, the better it's going to be off for you. Would I yeah. be correct? Yeah. Uh, Fox 23, me and Amber are probably one of the yeah the most MMJ, like we yeah. MMJ the most out of everyone. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. She's day fat on yeah. the night side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you'll see us by ourselves with our camera, sitting yeah. in the car. I've seen you guys show. by yourself yeah. with yeah, a camera. Yeah, I know you have. Yeah, People I've think we're that. so weird in our car. Like, yeah. But we're just trying yeah. to get it done. I've seen you in your car just working and <laughs> yeah. pulling out a camera. Mm-hmm. Is that, uh, they cut out, they must have cut out you having a cameraman due to COVID. Is that has anything to do with no. it? No. No. Not in our case. No. No. No, no, no. We never have one to start. <laughs> right. It's been a gradual shift in the industry. Right. In the industry. It's, it's overall, not mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. of COVID. COVID yeah. Now how has COVID really <laughs> affected you guys? I mean, because you can I mean how is technology stepped up and handling a lot of stuff more so than what it was before COVID? But how is it affecting you guys? say that little part we were from march to may 
we were working from home. Yeah. So that was the Zoom meeting. So what from spring break until May when I think the stay at home order expired. That's mm-hmm. when our time at home expired. So then we were back out in the field almost kind mm-hmm. of pre COVID like. Mm-hmm. Now it's like this is how we always worked. Even before right. COVID. Right. How we're working right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Just with masks on. Mm-hmm. What about you, Kim over at uh, Channel Eight? Um at Channel Eight, um we have been given very strict guidelines and we are very, very careful and um, things are very, very different. And we are still pretty much working from home. I'm a hybrid because I do have to go in to anchor on the desk. But when I go in, I hate to say I'm much closer to you guys than I am to anyone that I work with. Um, So I'm at a distance. Weather stays in weather, sports stays in sports and there's you know, no intermingling. No, or no, because mm-hmm. it's something that we take very seriously. You see, I have a mask right here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't play around with this. I don't want to get the virus. And unfortunately, we've had to report on too many people that have been sick. I'm always talking to someone who's recovering. Um, I've interviewed families that have lost family members. Certainly, I've had family members who've experienced this. And so uh, I'm ready for COVID to end. 2020 has been quite a year. Oh, man. It's been crazy with COVID and the election and mm-hmm. all of this stuff going on. It's been a crazy. I'm ready for it to be over. Yeah. Protests, right? It's been crazy. So mm-hmm. what do you think we have in store for 21? What do y'all think as far as news is concerned and things? Because we're, we're coming up on the centennial right. here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street centennial. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a whole lot of people here. You right. know, and so a whole like, lot of some COVID is coming too. Right, that's what I said. You can only hope, hopefully, by then mm-hmm. when it gets to into May, June, that we're not dealing with COVID. Mm-hmm. And well, when you talk about vaccine, how many people are going to be even willing to take a vaccine, or how True. accessible is it going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, by that time, we don't mm-hmm. we don't know that mm-hmm. just yet. Now, you guys are going to come in contact with a whole lot of people. Probably are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kim, you're going to be you and Amber in Brooklyn. You guys are going to be coming in contact with a bunch of folks yes. and need to be probably really careful and cautious. Yeah. I think that's know? nothing new for us. I mean, if you think back to like Amber's point of protests that we've seen happen throughout the spring and summer, um, you know, we've seen, we had the president of the United States come here oh, in true. Tulsa. Yeah, he did. And I mean, a lot of us were boots on the ground here when that happened because you didn't just have that, but you had protests happening at the same time. You've had demonstrations that have continued up until very recently. So mm-hmm. I think dealing with crowds, we have certainly learned how to uh, do our jobs and keep ourselves safe, which is important. Mm-hmm. Dealing with crowds. Yeah. yeah cause it's definitely be a- still a risk, though, doing this job. Yeah. We go out there every day knowing that we're going to come in contact with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. 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 And then you have those that are not willing to wear their masks. So that kind of makes our job a little mm-hmm. harder. Covering mm-hmm. anti-mask protests. Like, right. Yeah. still got to be yeah. there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and you know, I'm I'm kind of getting gearing myself up for that too because we're a small radio station, mm-hmm. and I already know they coming. You know, they're gonna be sitting around and outdoors, and I'm like, okay, now we got to work on this COVID thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everybody just can't be up in here like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so well, it's not um, just a matter of, of of individuals like yourself or even our stations. You know, we have mandates that are coming from the county and from the um, city, mm-hmm. and so we don't know what might be in place. Like right now, we know that if you go out tonight, pretty much if you're at a, at a restaurant, at a bar, you're going to have to be out of there by 11 o'clock, you know, That's true. because the city is. So I think that 
-hmm. hopefully our city leaders and community leaders will have a plan in place to be able to commemorate and celebrate the 100th anniversary of the race massacre. Yeah, I want to see. I'd like, I like to see it go smooth, you yeah. know, smooth. And the thing about it is I, t I tell everybody uh, it's not a party. Right. You know, please do not think you're getting ready to have a big party. You know, if you go down there on Black Wall Street, you should go down there uh, with a conscious mind of learning something about about Black Wall Street, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, a lot of people paid a price so that we could have these positions and everything that we were into. So they, you don't you don't yeah. think it's going to be like a celebration when, when I don't I don't I put it like this I don't mind you having some kind of celebration as far as when it's celebrating, but have your primary purpose for going down there for the centennial is 100 years since that massacre took place down there. And so at least have that in thought. If you're going to booty pop and shake and stuff like that, you know, uh, okay, okay. I mean, I get that, you know, but no, if you take your children down there, take them down there and explain some things to them, you know, don't just go down there just to hear the band play, you know, and a, and a DJ spin some music, you know, I, that's just me. Now, that's Bobby Eaton talking, so that's just my part of it. But I think you can do a little of both, you know, if you just first educate yourself for the purpose. Right. Like we had Juneteenth took place down there on Juneteenth. Yeah. I was down there on Juneteenth, mm -hmm. and how did it how did it end? Well, everything me, that you talked about, just everything that I talked about. I was out you there. know what I mean? And, and they were partying and stuff, and I was asking some of the younger people. You know what Juneteenth is all about? And they couldn't even tell me. Yeah. They could not tell me what Juneteenth was all about. And I was like, wow. But you down here and the DJ's popping and you dancing and jumping around. Right. I would say Juneteenth is a celebration. Though. It is. Well, it, well Jun Juneteenth, Juneteenth is a celebration. And for, then with everything that was going on right. on this in, particular Juneteenth, Teenth, I think people came Trump. together to, yeah. right. It but was, know your it purpose. Was the, no, yeah. why are you celebrating? So the young people that were there were there, you know. They were there to party. Well, they were there to party, but they were also excited to have something positive to do when there was so much negativity that was happening. Right. Well, that true. Was, that true. was a direct response true. to Correct. President true. Trump. True. That visit. was a direct now, it response. Was a that was like yeah, was party, party, party with like, a purpose. Uh, you know, yeah. people were but out there yeah, like, yeah, you know, exactly. Like that. I can relate. I can relate to that. You know what I mean? I can like, but at least know who. If I send my son down there on, I'm gonna say, look here, son. You're going down there Juneteenth. You know where you're going? It's the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Started out of Galveston, Texas. Uh -huh. I'm going to give them a little history. Now, go ahead and go on down there. So right. at least you know where you, why you're going down there. But, you know, in this case, one of the beautiful things about this year is that there was a lot of education about Juneteenth before it happened mm -hmm. because President Trump was initially coming That's on right. Juneteenth. Well, he brought some attention to well, it. Well, when he know. did that, that also was an educational tool, not mm -hmm. just for our kids here, but kids all across yeah, America. True. So all of a sudden, people now are saying, wow. And a lot of people said on national news, I didn't know what Juneteenth was. They didn't know. And so that wasn't that I don't think that was a secret, but I think President Trump's visit shine the light on Juneteenth. Well, he all he did was shine a light because we've been having Juneteenth celebrations. Yeah, but years. like you just said, though, people you know, did not know. But this was the biggest. We used to have the biggest Juneteenth celebration in the nation, mm -hmm. the biggest one right down here. I remember when my old boss Natalie Cole played down there, and we had all kinds of stuff going on down off in there. Thirty thousand people just right. coming to Juneteenth, you know. But um, we just got to educate and let them know. 
you know, because we've always had Juneteenth. He just brought more attention to it. He let those who didn't know. No, right. They were aware. Yeah. But I would say, even for me, like, I grew up part of my life in Houston, and I knew of Juneteenth, but I'd never been to a Juneteenth celebration until I moved to Tulsa. (laughs) So... So I knew of, but I didn't know, oh, black people are celebrating and, Juneteenth and they, like this. They were doing it in Houston. That. I've been to a couple of Juneteenth in Houston. I'd never been. Yeah, I never just been knew what her. it was. I didn't yeah. know people were celebrating. Mm-hmm. I think there's a cultural shift that's going on. And now they're not. it's not just Tulsa. It's not just Houston. A lot of cities are having their own Juneteenth celebrations, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just to celebrate. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. But they got to know what you're celebrating True. For. And now, in defense of the Tulsans that were out that weekend, Friday night and Saturday night were two different, uh, I would say, crowds. For the Friday celebration where Reverend Al Sharpton was there giving his speech and everything like that, you had all our uh, community leaders that were there Friday night. A lot of people had, most people had their mask on Friday. Saturday was a little different. As a party crowd was Saturday. Saturday was a little different. Uh-huh. I must say. That's okay. That's okay. You must say. You know, I, I just, uh, young people do what they do. And they're going to party. It's not just you young know? people. I mean, it's like they people, have, of, all, yeah, they huh? have, people <laughs> of all ages are out there. They had a bunch of people yeah, out of there. You know, yeah, yeah, it wasn't just the young people. I ain't going to say just, just, <laughs> just the young How folks. do you define young? I mean, <laughs> hey, well, I ain't going to, we ain't going to put no numbers on it, you know, because, you know, like, okay, when the Black Lives Matter protest was down there mm-hmm. and they were walking and I was with my dad and I say daddy look I say look at all these people all these younger people I say man look around we're the oldest people down here mm-hmm. and we were we were the oldest seniors down there and I'm saying to myself wow this is a good thing because they're standing for something mm-hmm. I saw just as many whites protesting as I did blacks, Mm -hmm. you know, down there. And I'm saying reason being is I think a lot of the younger whites, they don't want to deal with that Jim Crow mess and and, and stuff like that, that the grandfathers and everybody had to, had to do, Mm -hmm. you know, put in. So they're, they're changed. They're going to school with blacks, they're interacting and, you know, and they got more black friends and things like that. So, that's what happened with the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. I think, you know, and that's just me talking also, you know. But that's but a different time. How do you feel about it, Brooklyn? The protest? Yeah, the protest. Um, I definitely think it's a good time in history right now. And just covering them, like you said, the first one I went to, I remember there was like 48 white people and like two black people. Yeah. And I was like, I've never covered a protest. This is my first time even in this part of the country because I'm from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is this how it's supposed to be? Like, are black people going to be mad that there's so many white people standing up? Like, I didn't know anything at that point. And then the more I got to talking to people, they're like, you know, like, it's good. We've never had this many white people stand up for us, um, all these allies, and definitely learned a lot about mm-hmm. culture down here and I'm, how it's been and how it is now. I know you guys were down there getting it, right? Down there getting, covering some of the stories and stuff. Yeah, I, I missed the marches. I was off those days. Oh, you were off. What about you, <laughs> I Kim? I know you were you community, so I know you were doing something. Well, um, I I wasn't. I'm trying to think of when I was actually out. I think it was maybe at the end. Of, was it the end of May when we had the big protest that led to the first initial the weekend of uh, marches that led on led onto the highway? Wasn't yes. in March? Yeah. 
So in both those cases that weekend, I was at work anchoring on the desk. Okay. Weekend anchoring. Huh? Yeah. I, I'm just laying it. It was the weekend, so I was on the desk. Okay. I was, I was anchoring. So I wasn't there, and it was um, like nothing we had ever seen before. And um, you know, Meaning? Nothing was, you had never seen before. It was like you've never seen that in Tulsa before. Nope. No one never had. Seen, never so seen. it was something none of us had seen before. We hadn't really started experiencing um, we've had some marches downtown and some rallies, you know, but mm. this actually. I was actually out there that weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on she the was on the bridge, yeah. yeah. I got that video on the bridge when the um, car went through the crowd. How much? Mm-hmm. I got a lot of pushback on that story, too. Yeah. Did you? Um, because I said a car or the truck plowed through the crowd, pulled up to OHP, then OHP let them go. Like, we reached out to OHP for comment. They didn't give us a comment. But. Um, animal activists were saying, because I said he plowed through the crowd. I mean, I watched 10 people get run over. And I'm out there reporting. And I'm like, this is what I saw. We reached out to officials. They didn't want to comment that day. But animal activists were like, those horses, they threw smoke bombs at them. And I was tagged in hundreds of things on Facebook. And I think we had to have like our lawyer come to the station. I was a big Really? Thing. Yeah. So someone else took over that story after that day. But I mean, that, that day was crazy. Just seeing that, I've never seen that many people get run over by a car. Just me being a person, not even just a reporter up there seeing that. Yeah. So at the time when that yeah. happened, we were actually live on the air. So what what we did was because um, we knew it was going to be, you know, crazy. Um, on Saturday, initially, we were ready to prepare to be live because we didn't know my, what might happen. So first on Saturday, they led up onto the highway up I-44. So that was pretty non-eventful that day. But then the next day, uh, Sunday afternoon, we were on standby to be – so we basically did something like wall-to-wall coverage, kind of like when you have weather. We, they said, Kim, go get on the desk, and we got our crews out there. We had crews in place. And so when, that ca- when, the, when the trailer went through, we were actually live on the air. Like our reporter had to, like, jump over out of the way. We were like, what? what's happening? What's happening? Oh. And, I mean – I think everybody, I think every station, all the reporters uh, had some criticism, you know, from people who thought they shouldn't, the people shouldn't have been on the highway to the animal rights activists, like you said, being, you know, concerned about how the horses were treated um, to people feeling like the highway patrol should have arrested the driver. It was a lot. I mean, this is a story that just, we can say a story like this grows legs. It keeps on going, 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 you know, it, it never ends. So it just kept going and kept going. Um, but it it was something. It was traumatic to watch because I'm watching from the desk going, oh, my gosh. Look even, at all of this going on. Huh? Even the nighttime protests when um, they ended up over by Brookside and the police, you know, had and the police stood there and kept the, the, the crowd at base and started, you know, firing off the, the pepper balls and the yeah. tear gas and all that. That was that was crazy. I've never seen that. That's probably one of the craziest nights of my life here. That night on Brookside after yeah. the um, trailer went through the crowd. Mm-hmm. People were That's it. very, very, very upset. Someone walked up to me at one point with a backpack full of guns right before I went on air and said, it's about to go down. And I went on air two seconds later and like I had a mask on, but my producer called me after. She's like, the look in your eyes, like what just happened? I was like, I got to get out of here. We, at this point, we had been on air for like four hours. It was midnight. And things were just getting worse and worse, and I was hearing gunshots. We were we were all at work late that night. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was. And then the next night after that, the mall at 71st and Memorial, mm-hmm. that wasn't bad at all compared to the night before. Those were young kids out there kind of right. just playing with stuff. the cops. I, I don't know. At one point, I didn't even hear 
like chants or anything for the last three hours of this protest. People were just messing with the cops. Cops would throw smoke bombs. They'd run back up to them. They'd throw, throw smoke bombs. So I wasn't scared at all at that one. But mm. it was the night before that, like, it's crazy. It didn't even sleep that night. Yeah. Wow. To be in that environment, you know, and things going on when it turns violent, that's when it starts getting scary, you know. And uh, We didn't have security guards at the time either. We didn't? Yeah, we had security for the election. The president coming in town, election day. We had security those days, but when we should have had it, was right, so right, exactly, yeah. Mm, should have had I it. I think right. Learned from that lesson, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I was in the park when all this went down. After I saw, I was in a John Hope Franklin Park when that truck came through, and I was like, "It's time to go home." I, I gotta go. Mm-hmm. It's time for me to go. I was on Brookside when that happened. Mm-mm. Beat Brookside, and they say they've they blocked off the freeway. And I heard that, you know, next thing I know, oh, they ran over somebody, and boom. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Yeah. It was madness. Well, Tulsa's been getting a whole lot of attention. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. You know, this, you know, a lot of attention this year. going to be more attention even next year, mm-hmm. you know. And um, how do you guys feel about all these people coming to town and wanting to do stories and documentaries and write books and stuff like that? Because they're coming right now, mm-hmm. you know. How do you guys feel about them coming to do that? I think it's good for Tulsa. I. I like the attention that is particularly on the mass grave search. Okay, mass grave. Right. I, okay. I think that that's a good story that probably needs to be told to a wider audience. So I welcome the attention for it. I think Tulsa deserves it uh, after everything that's gone on over the last century and that they did find a grave. So mm-hmm. for the CBSs and NBCs and ABC and everybody else nationally boys, to huh? be here, right, to be here when that happens. It's not just, just our stories being told just in Tulsa or whoever we send our video to. They have the national crews here, so I think they should be here for that. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't have an issue with it. Definitely no issue. I, I think it's a story that is long overdue, and it's been a pleasure to – uh, cover it for as long as I say, and I say pleasure because even though it's a sad story, I actually had a chance to interview some of the survivors. So I'm so thankful that I was I was a really young reporter then. I was super young and didn't even know what I was dealing with, you know. But we all love a good story, and those survivors had great stories to tell. When you interviewed those survivors. What did you come out of that with? You know, did you were they all basically saying the same thing or were there different stories that kind of stood out and hit you more than others? There were um, there were they were they were all they were all different. But of course, the common thread was that they had shared this traumatic experience and survived and kept the secret as long as well as everyone else for so many years. But each individual story was different. Like George Monroe mm-hmm. was a little uh, was an old man when I interviewed him, but he was a little a little child when it happened, like three or four years old. He tells the story of a three or four year old that experienced that. He says he was under the bed, and his sister uh, was under there with him, and they heard the men come into their home, and his finger was outside Out, the stepped bed. Stepped on his hand. They stepped on his fingers, and he went to yell, and his sister put her hand over his mouth to shut him up so they wouldn't hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember that story. Mm-hmm. And who I remember the most is Otis Clark. 
Okay. And Otis Clark, uh, he had the best spirit. I mean, I forgot how old he was. He lived to be well over like 109 or something. Otis Clark was old when I met him. I mean, he was 100 years old when I met him. But he tells the story of how, you know, he was here and and the massacre started and uh, a white man shot a gun and it almost hit him and he jumped up and he he said, I jumped up and I ran, I ran to California and I became a sporting man. (laughs) And he tells it, he told a great story about Mm -hmm. how he he left and never came back. But um, he said he never saw his stepdad again. Wow. Um, he, he talks about it and he, we told his, I, I would go look for Mr. Clark for all my race massacre stories. I would just go look for Mr. Look for Clark him, huh? yeah, to do a story. Cause he just was, he remembered it so well as a 19 year old at the time. Um, and so he just lived a long time and was able to share his experience with us. And, uh, he lived a great life in these, I mean, so when we talk about the massacre, there is a part of it that's worth celebrating. It's the fact that these people survived, that uh, Black Wall Street is, is coming back, um, that now it's getting the recognition it deserves, and that deserves to be celebrated. But certainly we have reverence for the lives that were lost, and we still solemnly go to the cemetery. We, we, Amber and I have been over to Oakland, and, I mean, it's solemn. You think, wow, these people were killed and thrown in a grave. And no one even said a prayer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now Greenwood is like uh, everybody's focusing on Greenwood. But you know what? I'm going to share something with you guys. Mm. Nobody really talks about Lansing. Nobody really talks about Lansing. Lansing was just as thriving as Greenwood, Mm -hmm. you know, and right over here. And, you know, Lansing had movie theaters, it had barbershops, it had nightclubs, it had stores, it had hotels right on Lansing. But really, it nobody never really talks about Lansing at all. You know, I remember, see, I got the last of Greenwood, mm. the very last of Greenwood. I was able, as a young man, to go to a couple of the, the movie theaters, Rick's Theater, and eat barbecue, Latimer's Barbecue, and, you know, on, I was on the end. Mm-hmm. Before urban removal came in, mm-hmm. removal, and they removed everything on Greenwood. Renewal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't renewed. <laughs> it was removed. And, you know, OSU came down there and built up, bought up everything. They put the freeway mm-hmm. through it. Boop. So erasing, trying to erase the history. And um, um, it was quite something to see, you know. It was quite something that I, I'm blessed to be able to see the end of it, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, Greenwood, you know, a lot of people know about it more in some other cities than some of the natives who live right here in Tulsa. Yeah. You know, so. I didn't know about Black Wall Street until I got to college, honestly, because yeah. I had friends from Tulsa and they were like, you know, about Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And I don't know you what you're about. You didn't know nothing about, about huh? I mean, what they, they didn't know, about? They didn't know yeah. what you, yeah, right. That was the craziest thing I realized when I moved here. What? I'm like, oh, I didn't know about the race massacre in Black Wall Street. And then people at our station who grew up here are like, oh, I didn't know about it either till this year. I was like, mm-hmm. what? Right. How? That was, that was weird. And, you know, there was a reason why a lot of people didn't know, because they didn't want it to reoccur again. So people kept it hush for well, years. You think it's because they didn't want it to happen again? Well, well my, the black people probably did feel like that. They, well, they yeah, were black, traumatized. The black people were traumatized. Now, my dad and some of the old clonies and stuff have told me that's why they didn't talk about it. Because they just didn't want something like that to happen again. The whites you know? were ashamed. Oh, they, and they were shamed. They and were ashamed, and they couldn't believe it. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. And the whites, the, the whites were ashamed and the blacks were traumatized. Oh, most definitely. And still traumatized right to this day. You know, if you ask me, I mean, we're still going through some of that mental anguish and trauma, you know, being traumatized and mm-hmm. from that massacre, you right. know, and uh, we haven't overcome it in certain areas, right. you know, of mental health, you know, yeah. so it's still happening, you know, but everybody's knowing about it. You know, yep. around the world, around the globe, you name it, they are knowing they it's like a pimple that has burst. Mm-hmm. You know, finally. You know, and uh everybody's the finding, first step is acknowledging something, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. acknowledging something and getting the history behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what it is. And you guys being reporters and anchors and stuff, you know, I know your jobs are challenging, you know, and but I guess if you've been doing it for a while, it's just second nature for you. You know, after a while, anything you do over and over and over and over, you know, you get used to doing it. You get used to it, Kim? You said, you said 25 years. I mean, I've been doing, I've been doing what I do for 25 years. Mm -hmm. I have. Do I get used to it? When the camera comes on, we're live. I mean, it's different every time, you know, Mm -hmm. it is live TV. If you don't have a little bit of a butterfly fluttering, something's wrong with you. Um, You should, I mean, you get excited. Mm -hmm. So, um, I've done my job long enough to feel confident. Is it still challenging? Yes. It's still challenging. Right now we're covering we're covering a pandemic. I've never covered a pandemic. So yeah, you know, I've been around a long time, but I've never covered a pandemic. Never covered uh protests and demonstrations the way I have this year either. Never covered um race the race massacre uh victims being, you know, discovered. Uh, there's a lot that I haven't I haven't learned, but I feel like um, I have the experience to do it. I get excited. I still get challenged. I still get scared. I still get nervous. Um, I, I mean, we're emotional creatures. So, yeah, I mean, I might be a, a seasoned reporter, but I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Human and human and still got some. Yeah. I got you. Uh-huh. I got you. What about you? And I think that's the good part about, or I guess what I like about our industry Um when you get into TV and we're doing news, yes, there are the stories that you've done time and time again. Oh, you're talking about, well, before the pandemic, it was, oh, flu numbers are up, you know? You would do something so simple as that, and you do that story over and over again, or how the city is preparing for winter weather. You do that story over and over again. But you have stuff like this pandemic that comes up, the protests, like you mentioned, the things that come up, the race massacre lawsuit, things like that that come up, and it's like, oh, this is different. I've never done this before. And I think there's still things in our industry and just in the world right now that come up like that and that's when like Kim said you get challenged to do something different I haven't told this story before I've never been to a cemetery where they were looking for you know victims you know I've never done that before so in this industry you still can get challenged just depending on what's going on in the world at that time and that's that's good I like mm-hmm. it me yeah. um I'm not experienced as these girls but this one <laughs> actually being my like this year being my first year really reporting before this I was in South Dakota for eight months and then I came here. South so, Dakota. Yeah, they have like one homicide a year. Nothing mm-hmm. really happens up there. Mm-hmm. So the pandemic, like all this stuff, as my first year reporting, I never had like every year doing the same story, like flu numbers and stuff like that. So it's really exciting to actually know that we're making a difference too. And just being younger, I know that a lot of people don't watch local news, but all of a sudden this year, I'm like, people are actually turning to us for answers in our community and actually feeling like we're making a difference um, with these stories we're telling. Where are you originally from, Brooklyn? Connecticut. Connecticut. What part? Southington. Kind of next to Hartford. Like 30 next to Hartford. Yeah. yeah. Why? I, no. No. I, I dated a girl up that way one time. <laughs> oh, yeah. tell us about that. Oh, <laughs> tell us that's a real <laughs> You got to tell us about that. Yeah. 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 
got some reports here. And Clarence Hunt want to know yeah. Bobby Eaton. No. Bobby, 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 Bobby the Love. Bobby the Love. Watch out. Watch But no, I had been a long, young Where lady. Where was she from? Do you remember the town? She was from a place up near that way called Pawtucket. Rhode Island, but she was in Rhode Island. Though. I was going to say, it's like Connecticut? Yeah, Connecticut. It's close by, not far, <laughs> but, you know, by. yeah, she was up that way. Was and, it a long-distance uh, relationship? A little bit. You know, I met her on tour. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know how we bad boys on tour, you know. And, uh, Pick up a girl and drop yeah, off. Yeah, and yeah, we didn't right. know this Bobby Eaton. Yeah. Come on now. That's a whole other Bobby Eaton. <laughs> uh, that was a wild and out Bobby Eaton. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, you took me back going back up that way. She was a sweet girl though. She was nice. Hopefully she's doing well today. Yeah, I hope she is. You know, (laughs) you know, hope no unexpected news. (laughs) Oh, unexpected news. Yeah, you know, you know, I was kind of a bad boy back then. You know, things start happening. We all have a story, Bobby. We all got a story. Hey, that's when light skin was in. (laughs) You know, we ain't in no more, you know, so we out of style. So anyway, that's a a whole nother story. Do you guys, have you guys ever felt threatened? I have. Yes. You have? Mm -hmm. Okay, tell us about it. And and I thought about it a few minutes ago when we were talking about the protests and how this is, you know, I said I'd never covered anything like that. But really, back in 2017, when Joshua Byray was killed at 46 in MLK, mm-hmm. that was the first time I ever think I was really afraid. I, I love Tulsa, and I feel like Tulsa loves me. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times when people would feel threatened, I never did because I felt so loved. Yeah, you felt so connected, huh? I feel loved. Loved. I uh-huh. do. I yeah. really do. I feel loved. I feel taken care of. People look, they're happy when I come on sad scenes. I mean, I, I do feel loved here. So uh, I don't take it for granted, but it surprised me that day when uh, Joshua Byway got killed. Uh, you know, he was the young man who suffered from mental illness, and he was walking down the street, and the police and deputies were trying to stop him. He was carrying two knives, supposedly, and uh, they didn't want him to go into the convenience store. And the, the deal was they, they followed him down the street for several blocks, and then uh, they were like, but you better not go in that convenience store. And um, he went into um, he went into the convenience store, and as soon as he opened the convenience store door, they shot him, you know. And, and then, of course, there was another uh, police-involved shooting, and we were there, and it was a chaotic scene. And so when I got there, I just, I just, it was, that was a day I didn't need, I did not, I mean, it was, some days you're ready for, you know, a big story. And that day I just was like, oh my gosh, this is going to, this is awful. This is terrible. And oh my goodness. It was just a huge scene. It was overwhelming is what it was. Well, as soon as we got there, you know, the police were all over the place. And then all of a sudden it's like the community that just wasn't doing anything anyway that day all came out. We were at 46th Street North in Cincinnati, MLK. And that's where I grew up, Bobby. That's, I grew, that's the hood, huh? I grew up at 46 in Boulder. I grew up like three blocks from where I was. I mean, yeah, I was right back where I grew up. So I was home, right? But all these people came and just descended on the scene. And it was a mess. And I had people like saying, they want to, I want to fight. Yeah, you, come on, come on. Come on. What? Yeah, all of, to the media. They were just mad at the media that day. 
we were just there covering, but the anger was so overwhelming that they were like threatening us, threatening. And I had to think to myself, okay, if this girl approaches me, what am I going to do? And I was like, oh, it's, it's about to be on. Mm-hmm. But I don't, you know, you don't want to think like that when you're a reporter, you know, you're, you're doing a job. And here I was having to think about how I was going to defend myself. Was my, was my photographer okay? Because he's white. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do they feel in mm-hmm. a whole uh, intersection full of black people and the police are there with riot gear on and so it was it, a lot of policemen out there that I day was, too and I'm telling you so um, everything worked out for me that day where I finished you know I talked to Joshua Byray's mother she walked up to me and she, she told me what happened to her son and I mean that moved me and it just um, it was sad and it was sad on so many fronts. It was sad because she lost her son, sad because, you know, what had happened, uh, sad that the community was outraged. It was emotional. So I finally just went and sat down in the news car because, you know, just to stay safe. And I watched all the madness around us. I watched people kick cars, hit news cars, kick news cars. And I, I told, called my boss, and I said, hey, I don't feel safe. I'm telling you right now, I don't feel safe. And I always, and my photographers, it's, you know, I say it in love and jest, but I'm real. Um, I plan to go home every single day. I'm going home. You're going to your house. I'm, huh? getting, I'm going home tonight, okay? Mm-hmm. I got to go home. So it doesn't matter if it's raining outside and, and we flying down the highway. You can slow down because I'm going home tonight. Uh, that day, I was like, I got to go home tonight. I don't know what's happening here. We had seen things happening around the nation. And I was like, hey, I got to go home tonight. Uh, that's how I felt. And it all worked out. People were just hurt and angry. Pain. Yeah, they were. And I understand that. But it was scary. It was. Wow. Oh, that's okay. that's something else. What about you guys? Any, you ever felt threatened? I don't think. I I really couldn't think of a time where I felt threatened. Not not that I could think of mm-hmm. where I felt threatened or like this story wasn't, you know, worth my life or anything. I never felt that my life was threatened so far, thankfully, because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that have been in those situations, a lot of reporters that have been in those situations where you have to make the decision is, uh, you know, it's not that worth it to be on TV right now. Mm-hmm. So but thankfully, I haven't had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. What about you? I had that one occurrence with the guy with the guns at the protest. Mm-hmm. That was oh, like, okay. For a second, I was like, wow, like, am I going to die right now? I've never felt that way before. Mm. That so. that night, and that was scary, Brooklyn. I mean, that night we had a photographer. Like I said, we were live on the air, and we were just watching. One of my photographers, like, someone threatened him on camera, and he took off running on camera to get away uh, for his safety. And it, Ca- A cameraman? No, he's a reporter. A reporter? Yeah, it made me mad. I was mad. I was on the desk mad because I was like, that's not right. It was like just somebody was like just saying, hey, you need to get out of here. And he was like, why? What, what's going on? And he got confronted on camera and he had to run. And, and that's just the time we're living in. And it's just it, it's, it's a scary. It can be a scary time for journalists. Mm. No. I didn't know why people were so mad at the media that day. That day in particular, people did not want us there. They were saying things that yeah, it was scary. We had to cut out on air so many times. Did you? In the middle, they would just be like, F Fox 23. And then they would just throw it back to the station. Mm-hmm. Almost every time. And then my... Pro- mm. <laughs> but just, you know, our priests mm. in our ear, they're not out mm. there. They don't see it. And they're like, right. you know, go live again, go live again. It just keeps getting cut out, keeps getting cut out. And I'm just like, I can't get a... You know, I'm not going to run away from 
crowds and so you just don't know what people are going to say online to you, especially in continuous coverage like that. Mm. That's interesting right there. Now, I I spoke to a, a reporter at one time, and this is what she told me. She told me that she was being stalked. Mm. And she says it was this guy who was stalking her, and they finally caught up with him. I'm not calling any names, mm. but they finally caught up with him. But he would watch her on TV every day, and he, I guess he... He fell in love with her or something like that from the visual, you know. You guys haven't had anybody try to stalk you or anything like that, have you? Somebody waiting in the parking lot for you to get off work and have that ever happened? Well, our like location that? is pretty, pretty. Uh, you mean like stranger, stranger, uh, stranger stalker? Yeah. Um, Find out where you live um, and come by the house and stuff. You know. You know, um, I I'm very thankful where Channel Eight is. If I'm Lookout Mountain, it's pretty secluded. Like oh yeah, way. I've been up there. Um, you know, we laugh. <laughs> you know, everybody knows who's going and coming, right? It's, and we've even become more secure lately because of of, of current events. Um, we've had to be more careful, but um, you know, I'm thankful for that. We've I've never had anyone show up in the parking lot or um, none of that, huh? You you've been doing it for yeah, a while. Yeah, that's good to hear after that many years. That never yeah. happened to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe they just don't like me. I don't know. <laughs> Anybody come by your home and knock on your door? No. Anybody wanting a story or something like that? It's like I've gotten really disgusting comments. I'm sure you all have too. But yeah. us being alone, you're day side, but at night when I go live alone, sometimes I'm like really scared. And we have yeah. the big light in our face, so I can't see around me. And you're right. by yourself. By huh? myself, yeah. yeah. And now that it gets dark later, by 6 o'clock. I'm in the dark. <laughs> so it's like you have the light on you, so you look good on TV. But if something's happening around you, you, you no can only idea. hear. And one of your ears, you have producers in it. So you only have one ear and looking under your light to see if there's anything behind you. So that yeah. can be dangerous, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so People you, will pull up and be like, why, you, why are you doing this? Do you need to go into a lighted area where people are around or something and then, do it and then do it rather than just it's be hard, out though. in an open field by yourself yeah, or something? Yeah, I have my go-to parking lot. Okay, know? where you normally go? Yeah, where it's a lighted parking lot. I don't think you know that I should have any issues mm-hmm. here. You know, you, you know where you can should be safe, mm-hmm. rather. But, you know, it's just the risk with being alone. Mm-hmm. Now, you're talking about, I wouldn't say stalkers, but people with now with technology, Facebook, I'm sure you've gotten crazy DMs of people, oh, you know, you're beautiful, or here's my number, will you call me? I'm like, I'm married. You guys get that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Get that? Yeah. You get those, <laughs> you get, you get those people. Bobby, do get, you get those calls? Oh, Bobby, yeah, you get those messages. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ah, yeah. yeah. Everybody know I'm single, so they. Yeah. Oh, look, you put it out there. Uh, well, I just put it. I just say that, you know. But you know, I'm business too. Now. What you doing for Thanksgiving, so, Bobby? What's going on? Huh? Don't don't have any plans. Oh, right. don't. Have, trust me, What's the number to call it. in, Bobby? Ah, <laughs> uh, you can just Google the Bobby Eaton Show. <laughs> Now, you know, one one particular Thanksgiving, the same thing happened, and I was here in the studio, and uh, a few ladies asked me what I was doing for Thanksgiving, and I didn't have nothing planned. And don't you know, three of them asked me. Oh, my goodness. Two of them bought me plates. Aw. They brought me, came over here and bought me plates of 
turkey and dressing and cranberry and all that. And I was like, whoa, girl, I didn't know you was going to do that. I eat good, though. Yeah, those nice good women. Yeah, 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 good women, you know. <laughs> you know, I said one of them had a, a different kind of motive. Oh. You know, so that can happen. You ate the plate. Hey. Did you <laughs> pursue it? Look, huh? Did you pursue it? No, 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 no. I'm smart and wise now. <laughs> I know what to do now, babe, you know. Bobby, you got three female reporters here. So we love we love a good story. So. <laughs> well, that's a good one for you right there, you know. And you got to be clear because relationships, speaking of relationships, uh, you guys in relationships, anybody? Yeah, I'm married. You just got married, huh, yeah, Amber? I got married September 2019. Yeah, I remember when you told me. Now, this is what I remember about you. Uh-huh. You said, my fiance is going to move to Tulsa. Uh-huh. We had talked a long time ago. Uh-huh. And I said, okay, all right. And he ended up moving to Tulsa, right? I told you. And you told me that. <laughs> and you guys got married. Yes, that was the plan. That was the whole plan, that was huh? The plan. That I love how you remember that. Huh? So yeah. I love how you remember that about Yeah, I remember that about her, you know, was, and her I was situation. Here a couple of months and I came on the You were just radio here. Show. You were just mm-hmm. here. You came on a radio show mm-hmm. and we talked about that. Now you're married. How, how does it feel being married? It's much of the same, you know. Much I, of the same? Much of the same for name, us. Just name change? Name part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't yeah. change it on air, right? Well, I didn't. You know, speaking, uh-uh. and speaking of the marriage, um, Speaking of marriage, I want to congratulate a couple of co-hosts and hosts we have over here, Marion and Tia Carlin. You know, they uh, they 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 uh, tied the knot. They just tied that knot, you know. So that was a good thing. Everybody get married. What's up with this? You get married. No, no. Everybody. I'm not even dating. So you know, you know. Are you on Tinder? Huh? No, no, none of that. None of the above. You know, I'm a senior, so I'm an older guy. So, what's that? Said, are you on Tinder? No, you know, I'm Tinder not on Tinder. <laughs> I heard of Tinder. Yeah, I heard. He's of like, it. I tried it. You know, <laughs> no, I never tried it. You know, never tried it. It has to be a special person. Mm. She's got to have some of this. Mm-hmm. You know, and understand the vision, and understand the purpose. You know, and then hey, poo, because it's kind of hard if if relationships are one sided. Right. If they yeah. just one sided, it ain't gonna work. Right. It just ain't going to work, you know. Gimme, 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 me, 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 me. Yeah. Rather than we, 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 we. You know, so that's what you got to do. You got to give a little bit. Definitely. You know, so. And and you can give in more ways than one. It ain't all about money. No. You know, Mm because money. I know some me. I've noticed that recently. Yeah. Guys will come at me. I could buy you this. I could buy you that. I was like, I don't even want your money. Even if I was broke, (laughs) I wouldn't want you to buy me anything. Right. But I feel like a lot of girls really go for that these days. Until they get discouraged. After a while, the money doesn't have any purpose. You know, you should be. Now, I'm not saying that you don't need some money. (laughs) You know what I mean? I ain't saying that. You know, you got to live and pay bills and and stuff stuff like that. But the same thing, it shouldn't be your primary focus on your relationships. Yeah. You know, that's where people go wrong. I know some rich people. Uh, musicians, entertainers, mm-hmm. they got everything up under the sun, mm-hmm. but their marriages and and stuff sucks. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine, he's been working with Stevie Wonder for 25 years. Mm-hmm. The marriage sucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I shouldn't even put him out like that. But ma- yeah, you don't know who he is. <laughs> but his marriage sucks. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, and they're all intertwined with bills and all kind of stuff. So if they were to get a divorce, it's gonna be a big big issue. 
Yeah. You know, so. Staying together, yeah. Yeah, so they just stand together going through the motions mm-hmm. and being miserable. Sounds terrible. Yeah. It is terrible. It is terrible. So those of you who got good relationships and are in good really good relationships, keep them. You know, yeah. these guys keep them. Keep them good relationships. Mm-hmm. Kim. That's the plan. You know, Brooklyn. You That's know, Amber. Yes. You know, y'all keep those good relationships. Cause we need them because we're living in a society today where we, there's a lot of division. Mm-hmm. There is a ton of a division between men and women, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, well, I don't need no man. What I need a man for? I don't need no woman. What I need a woman for? You know, it's just divided. Mm-hmm. Not a, but I don't see a lot of good family structure. Right. Taking place these days. Yeah. Respect for one another. Mm-hmm. Respect. You know, yeah. guys don't open up doors for women no more. And just women. Some guys. Yeah, some, well, I'm just saying, some yeah. guys, <laughs> the majority of guys, I'll say that. They'd now, probably be mad at you for majority, saying majority. Well, the majority don't because they've never been taught how. You know, they don't have those those values and those standards. And, you know, a lot of females don't cook anymore. You know, and so a lot, a lot of them don't. <laughs> some of them Mommy, do. Like, yeah. Stereotypes. So okay, I'm so, giving some. That's an old man giving wait, some stuff. So if you open the door for me, I cook dinner for you. Yeah. No, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying a lot of. Come on now, y'all. Y'all know a lot of the values have changed, and the role reversals have taken place between males and females. A lot of things have flipped. So it ain't the same no more. Well, you know, nothing well, stays the same. Yeah, and, but, you know, uh, we, so, and, and I'm okay. Check okay. it out. I'm okay. I'm okay with how you choose to live because mm-hmm. I can't live anybody's life. Right. But I think what you said before yeah. is pretty key, and that is mutual respect. Mutual respect. Yeah, respect That's what is, is important. Mm-hmm. That is. Everybody, and I think the biggest thing that I don't want to say the biggest thing, but one of the things that I've learned in marriage is family of origin matters, right? So I was raised by a single mother. My husband, he grew up in a two-parent household. So he always had his dad as and his a mom. mole. Mm-hmm. Right, dad and mom both in the household. So he does the opening the car doors. He fills up my car with gas and stuff. He does all those things. But he'll get mad at me if I go to the door and just open it and get in the car. But I've always gone to the door. And, you used well, to not be mad at me, but right. you know, it's like, Upset I'm going to open you. your door. Right. And I'm like, I was just getting in the car. I don't think twice about those things because I've always done them. I, that's how I was raised and it's just it's just little things and you see I see in marriage or different things on how I do things and how he does things and it's really just because we were just raised differently so you said some women don't cook well if their mom never cooked at home ordering out they it's just normal it's you normal. know it's just normal and it's become a normal thing so yeah so know, it's, it's, be that way. it has to do with your upbringing too and some people just mm-hmm. don't know better like some men don't know Open up the car door, you mm-hmm. know, pay for the first date. Some men don't know that because that's not what Some people don't even want you opening up the car door. Right. <laughs> you know no, what I, I mean? want you to open the door. <laughs> you got to come over here and open up my door. See, now you it's the expectation mean? because uh, now I've been trained to expect my door to be yeah. open, you know. And then there's some women who will stand there until you open up their door. Right. They won't even get in the yeah. car until you go come over there and open up that door. That's right. old school stuff. Yeah. Though, you know, so we're in 2020. Things have changed. And uh, we just have to know how to respect each other's boundaries, you know, and know where to where to do it. Where, mm-hmm. you know. So, I talk to a lot of single single parent females over here at the radio station. Mm-hmm. They come over here all the time with their sons, mm-hmm. trying to find some place to put their sons, some mm-hmm. kind of program or something. I turn you know, go over to hundred black men, go over here to so and so, and 
that what I get is the daddy, he's never been in their lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can only teach them so much as a mother. Mm-hmm. I can't teach them how to be a man. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a different, I tell them, well, there's a difference, you know, between malehood and manhood. Right. That's a whole different animal. And same, same with the ladies too. So that's a, uh, Things like that. Do you guys cover stories, uh, relationship stories? Do you guys ever ever cover anything? Every story is a relationship story. Well, I'm saying, well, uh, male and female relationship story. You don't hardly get too much of that. Do you? Um, you know, marriages, divorces, all that kind of stuff, right? No. No. It, it depends. I mean, you got to go into depth. Like, what do you what do you mean? Like, ah, uh, Jim and Jim and uh, Cynthia have been together for. A Eighty-seven years and yeah, blah I mean, blah blah blah, and they're this, still in love. We and do those. I mean, yeah. we do not now. So I think what's important for people to know, like viewers especially, to know is like most of the time when we go to work, like what you're talking about, it sounds like more of a feature story. Like you know, maybe they, so. They maybe very, that's like, a feature story. Seventy-five years, but it's mm-hmm. still important stories. Mm-hmm. Talk about the quality of life. Most of the time, when people give me a story idea. Like I said, our story ideas have to be leadable ideas that will lead the newscast. Okay, what can you lead? Start off, that's your most important story, your biggest mm-hmm. story. It's going to impact the most people. It's going to make right. them feel something. It's going to educate them, inspire them, motive, inspire them some way. That's the lead story. So if it's not that for me, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do it. But I can probably get a photographer to come out and shoot um, – you know, your grandmother's 100th birthday uh-huh. or this couple's 75th wedding anniversary, mm-hmm. and it, but they just won't put a report on it. So we still cover it. Mm-hmm. And everything has a place. You got to remember, when you're covering news, it's like what's important. News is what's important to people, okay? It's whatever that is. Okay. So it could be. It can it can be something that's halfway featureish, you know, but you just got to figure out why is it important. Mm-hmm. And the big thing that she said was impact on the most people. Uh, and, like, I know people are tired of it. We're tired of it, too, covering coronavirus every day. But it literally affects everybody. So that's why it's going to lead our newscast mm-hmm. every day. What's the mm-hmm. new numbers? You right. know, that's mm-hmm. that's what's going to lead every day because it affects everyone. Right. And, and there can be a little twist on that sometimes. For instance, if there's a couple that survived COVID, that's a story about marriage and relationship, right? Right. They've gone through it, but it's still COVID. But you know, saying that's how we. So that's what I was saying. You got it's a bigger, you know, the, bigger picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we can get lucky. Like there's three of us night reporters. I was just saying to Jackie the other day. She went to OKC and covered Governor Stitt talking about coronavirus. Because she went and did that, I got to go do a story on a local rapper giving out food to homeless people. But the only reason I got to cover that was because she went and did the important story. Someone still has to do that story, right? Or something like that. So some days you could get lucky if you have enough reporters on. Mm-hmm. But in in a way that I would say I would you still could have done that story because you can say like in this time of COVID people are still giving right. how they're giving you know right. it's just tying it's it all in together yeah. yeah you know you that's why I'll say like tell me your story idea and I'll see if I can make it work because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. we have to sell it we have to sell it to our bosses and managers so if we're able to communicate that and sell it to them then we should be able to get it on there mm-hmm. you know but but a story ain't nothing if you don't have people. Right. True. You gotta have people like Governor Sick and go talk all day long, but who does it really affect? You know, and yeah. sometimes you sometimes you don't have time to go get a person right. to tell their personal story, and sometimes it is Governor Stitt or it is the mayor or some dignitary, but most of the time we really want a person who says, you know, how they feel about whatever it is the important 
people, uh, politicians are talking about. Yeah, we want to humanize it for sure. It's the only way people can relate. Yeah. Give a story. Politicians are like scripted anyway. Huh? Politicians are like scripted anyway. Oh, you yeah, can ask I already know. <laughs> I know about politicians. You know what they are? And, and it just, I mean, I just learned how to humanize them. I mean, I was thinking about uh, one of the last press conferences that we held with um, Dr. Bruce Dart. He gets up there and he starts talking and reading. And, you know, he's been so busy. And the best thing he said the entire uh, press conference was, not the best thing, but the best thing for me as far as sound that I wanted to use was he said that he had a, a heartbreaking moment where he had to call his father and tell him he wasn't coming home for Thanksgiving. Wow. This, this is the, you know, the leader of uh, of our, basically our COVID coalition in Tulsa County. Um, and every, he's been talking in front of us for weeks, months now. And all of a sudden he goes, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm sad because I had to tell my, I had to tell my dad I wasn't coming home. And the other thing that was, and so that was, I was like, wow, that's personal. That's his personal story. Mm-hmm. Um, Mayor Bynum that day was very, very emotional talking about uh, city workers that had, had contracted COVID and, and how they had been sent home. And I mean, he, right, he made it, he made it simple and told us a story. And that's what we loved about mm-hmm. uh, the press conference as far as being able to share that story in a way that people can understand it mm-hmm. and want to hear it. You know, it's one thing to hear a number, but when it's a number attached to a person or you see that person, it makes it different. Right? It makes yeah, it a lot totally. different, huh? Yeah, more personal. Now, let me ask you this, because this is what I get all the time about the news, TV news. I'm talking about you guys. Why is there so much an influx of negative news? Shooting, killing, um, robberies, things like that. I get that. Yeah, I get that all the time. I hear that, you know. And so I'm asking you guys so you can tell our listening audience. They say every time I cut on the news, somebody didn't shot somebody. Somebody didn't did this. Somebody didn't stole this and stole that. Where are the good stories at? Not at the top of the newscast. Not at the top <laughs> of the newscast. Why is that? I think that's just the, stru- the structure that it's kind of always been in Everybody, I think everybody can attest. Journalism 101. The one of the first things that you learn is if it bleeds, it leads. I think that's an old mantra that's always held true. So if you have a homicide in the city, that's mm-hmm. most likely going to lead your newscast. Uh-huh. Robbery, something like that. Mm-hmm. Something crime will likely get the lead. It's going to always get the lead. Why do you think that is? So what, what do you think people care about? Well, I probably something because they probably bad stuff. Safety. You know, People care about their safety. They care about their money. Safety. safety. They care about their money, mm-hmm. and they care about their families. Mm-hmm. You mess, well, yeah, you mess with my cases. family. You mess with my money. You and you make me feel unsafe and insecure. Those are the things that really, yeah. you know. And usually, those, so you report on those are at the top of the list, right? I don't necessarily agree with all the stuff we put at the top of the show. I don't, I, I don't say I, we yeah. agree. That's I'll, just the structure. Yeah. I know, and I I yeah. push back a lot on it. I'm like, this trailer getting stolen. That affects two people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that doesn't right. affect, but it's still going to be the top of the newscast because it's crime. But I feel like once the pandemic hit, I really liked how we got away from that a little bit and seeing the protests at the top of the show, not the negative part of the protest, but just seeing that something different at the top of the show is like the best thing I've seen all year. Just seeing us change that direction of stupid, petty crimes, right. not the homicide, but mm-hmm. just. Right. It's all the time. It's yeah. national and local. Mm-hmm. That's at the top of them. 
you know. You know, it, it really is um, <laughs> framing. It's framing it. It's because that uh, that crime story may not seem important. And some there are sometimes I feel the same way you do. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you know we have to leave with this. But at the same time, it's like if they'll steal his trailer, well, they still are yours. You know, here's what people are doing. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is the this is what our police. Our police, your taxpayers' money, we're paying them, and this is what they have to deal with. This is um, what's happening in your city. Here's the quality of life. This is what, what's happening that could impact you. That's the way it has to be framed. Instead of saying, tonight, police want to find out who's uh, police are looking for a killer, or tonight, police are looking for um, who stole this. You know, it has to be, you've got you've to make me care. And that's our job as, as reporters, mm-hmm. is to make you really care and understand what's happening in your community. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times, you know, over here in North Tulsa, I'm speaking of North Tulsa, mm-hmm. a lot of people feel like, because um, I deal with the community and a whole lot of people in the community, uh, a lot of people feel like sometimes North Tulsa gets a bad rap on news because it can be something happening out in East Tulsa, West Tulsa, and they'll say it's North Tulsa, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. So. And that the good stories over here never really get talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm we've been good because we've had some good good stories being talked about over here, mm-hmm. you know, with us. But it's uh, so much good stuff going on over here in North Tulsa, mm-hmm. more so than bad stuff, you know. So, I mean, you got – I could go on and on with all these organizations and uh Pocket Full of Hope and Reed Community Center, Carver Center, and so many good stuff, you know, Dream Center. But a lot of it never gets reported on. But the minute somebody shoots somebody, a pow, pow, you know, and there's a something like that, that's number one on the news list, you know. And do you guys get to select the stories? You, you select your stories, but... What, what can, how can I put it? Well, we this? don't make the news up. Okay, yeah. we don't make it up, and it has to be relevant. And so um, sometimes that's why it's important to have a diverse newsroom that mm-hmm. can cover the important stories. And people have to understand, too, that crime happens everywhere. It does. So, um, you know, I think sometimes there's a feeling of almost a hypersensitive, hypersensitivity when it comes to North Tulsa. I mean, we do cover North Tulsa and the good things that happen here a lot, a lot. But this is the only area, Tulsa, and um, a lot more crime happens in higher populated areas, okay? So a lot of crime happens in, out in South Tulsa, mm-hmm. happens, um, you know, on South Peoria. We, we, we've always talked about, you know, how, how things are in that area of town. So I, I know there's a, there has to be a balance, and if people feel like North Tulsa should be covered more, then... You need to call us and share those stories with us so that we know. And you can find a trusted reporter at every station that you can call. I have people that call me and tell me, hey, this is happening. And we have constraints of time and personnel to cover those stories. But it's not, you know, we can't cover every story. We're not going to cover every story. Yeah, I understand that. And sometimes that I think a lot of people have the perception that 
we don't want to cover something. And sometimes it's literally like we didn't know. A lot of things that we do cover, somebody sends a press release, somebody sends emails, somebody reached out to a reporter, somebody reached out over Facebook, and that's how we know about things because we're not everywhere. We're not on every scene. We're not in every community physically. So for somebody to simply just reach out, oh, now we know. And now we can, now then the decision is on us. Do we cover this or do we not? So literally reach out. Every news station has an assignments desk. You can call into the news station, give your story idea, and let somebody know. Everybody has an email address. Call, email, let us know. Because you guys are always looking for stories. Always. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Always. That's a constant thing that you're doing all the time, looking for stories. And I think also as a reporter, when you do cover the bad stories, the next day, I need to do something to balance this out. That's mm-hmm. just how I feel personally. Mm-hmm. So I'll come talk to you about mm-hmm. something, you know, mm-hmm. if, if I just covered something right. crazy the next day, mm-hmm. the day right. before. Right. Well, if your if, if your station takes that into consideration, then mm-hmm. that's, that's really fortunate. And um, I don't know that I feel that way. Um, sometimes it can be a rough week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, where you have one thing after another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that we're in the situation we are now, with COVID, you never know what to expect. Right. Um, so, yeah, some days I like to have an easy day. <laughs> some right. days you just, Bobby, some days we just want an easy day. Like, yeah. we just want an easy day. I want a feel good story today. Especially on a Friday. Yeah. So, yeah. Try to get on out of there. Like, I think it was two weeks ago, two of our reporters posted mm-hmm. in our little team chat that they both saw dead bodies that day. And they're like, it's just been a rough day. Reporters, yeah. You guys it's see that too. quite often from time to time? Enough. Enough yeah. dead bodies? I don't honestly I don't see it so much anymore I, there's been times it depends on when you work too what's your schedule Brooklyn I am Saturday through Wednesday mornings or nice night side. Night side? okay so yeah um I'm more daytime like from nine to six and so mm-hmm. it's not a lot of crime that happens I mean stuff still does happen yeah but um like my stuff is going to be more more um issue based or it's going to be uh just larger, broader than, than mm-hmm. breaking news. Breaking news happens. I'm telling you, think about it. Breaking news happens in the morning. People wake up. They wake up with issues or they had a rough night overnight. Something happened overnight. Somebody, you know, got into it. Um, a lot of domestic fights happen in the morning when people wake up on the wrong side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at night when families come mm-hmm. home, things happen. You know, that's when news, that's when those situations have a tendency to break out. Is people are working during the day. Yeah, right. nine to five people are busy, so you don't mm-hmm. see as much stuff happening. Right yeah. in the evenings. Evening, maybe yeah, it's just a shift we're on. When you get home, when they get home, people get home and they start those whatever problem they had that morning, yeah. or you know whatever happened that day or that night, we're out partying and something happens. You, you know, unfortunate things can happen though any time of the day. Mm-hmm. Now, sometime when you're at home, say you're at home, you're relaxing, you can be on call, right? Not really. A lot of people don't, do don't ask people, me that. I, they ask you that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, not really? No, we have an overnight person. Yeah. You got somebody who handles yeah. that? They never call and say, hey, you guys, come on in. We got a breaking news. Unless and, it's really, really crazy. But yeah. if it's just yeah. a shooting. Or, yeah, there's usually somebody out there schedule. on that shift. There's usually somebody. And they're going to handle together. that, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes huh. if, like, um, I've been called in. I mean, it, it, it used to happen more in the years past than now. But something can happen. News is very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And so um, maybe an anchor, a morning show person could make it in. Can you come in and anchor the morning show? I've oh, got, oh, really? Oh, yeah. I've got that call. To fill in. Mm-hmm. Anchoring mm-hmm. has got to be 
a little more demanding. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, because, yeah, you got to have everything. has got to be right, you know. Yeah. You can't put on a, you know, sometimes you can put on a jacket and jeans and send it, you mm-hmm. know, and go with it. All you mm-hmm. see is, like, from here up. But uh-huh. you have to yeah. um, make sure that you're on and, on and ready to go. So mm-hmm. On and ready all. to go, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, they, can pre- they prepare us for, you know, it's a possibility it's going to be a long night. Like, when Juneteenth happened, that was we're probably going to be on air for some hours. So, so you're not gonna hang, you're going to have to hang out right, there. Election huh? Right. Election night. We're, we're going to be on air. So those are the, when the floods happened last year, they were asking people to come in to cover floods. So those are, you know, the exceptions. But it's, I don't think it's like a every week type thing. It's, you know, you know the exceptions on when you're expected to, you know, you need to come into the station or, you know, we need to cover this story a certain way. We need all hands on deck. And we're pretty much aware of those all hands on deck type situations is when something abnormal is happening. And that's when we need to, you know, go out there mm-hmm. and perform, I guess. What would be something. really abnormal to you guys? What's abnormal when you say abnormal? I don't even know anymore. Right. <laughs> what would be a weird situation? Is that going out in the country somewhere and discovering something that's I love being out in a small town sometimes. Oh, do you? I do not. They won't you don't call like, me for breaking news. So so Brooklyn, you like the small town. Sometimes. And Amber, you don't like it. Kim, what do you like? Does it or does it matter? I don't know that I think of it whether I like something or not. I just every day can be a challenge. You never really know what situation you're walking into, honestly, for real. You don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I try to walk in with an open mind. And sometimes the small towns can be hard because people know you're from out of town. Mm-hmm. And it's all about your mindset. Our Your mindset in this business and what we do, it has to be very healthy. Um, you've got to think positively every day. And um, I just say this. It's almost like we're salespeople in a way because we're selling our new salespeople. Okay, we're selling a new story. I'm calling right. you. I need. A, I need an interview. You, you've got messages from all of us to say. Can you talk to me today? Yeah, I'm looking for somebody. Uh, I yeah. need someone to talk to. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, it's kind of like I need someone to talk to. And so, I just, you know, develop the mindset when I go to a small town or wherever I go that someone's waiting to talk to me. Somebody's ready for. Somebody's going to be like they're excited to see us and they're going to talk to us and share their story with us. Mm-hmm. You know, I just believe and pray for favor every day when I wake up, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I know God's got this. Let's go. Let's roll. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, I just believe that happens for me. It does it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I'm kind of trying to figure out is those storm chasers. <laughs> How do those guys, I don't know, you guys run across them? Do you, you guys network with them? I've never time? met the storm chasers. I know we have some. Huh? I, I've I never met no. them. You haven't either? Yeah. Kim, I know you've met a few I mean, of them. I mean, not because not, they're, they're, they're storm chasers. Right. They're, yeah. they're out there still. Yeah. I, I don't And they like, go out chasing the I storm. Like, I do not like covering weather. I do I not. Hate it's like weather. we get in a car and it's like, I mean, do you remember like, was it last year? Um, we were having like tornadoes around town. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tornadoes around town, and we were like all driving around, and um, you know, it's like, oh wait, you need to go the other way. Wait, go back. No, stay where you are. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, I don't like covering. I don't weather. like playing with Mother Nature. Playing with that Mother Nature. I don't like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Brooklyn, you were saying you like being out in the, the little country towns, huh? Well, being from Connecticut, and then I lived in Arizona for college for a little in LA. Being down here, I've never really been in a small town like that before. So I'll go out there and. We're alone, like I said. So I'm just walking around alone. People are looking at me, and I'm just trying to get trying to talk to these people because they have such a different perspective on things. What do you see? 
when you say different. A lot of, um, I don't even, they're just different. They're very different. Different as in their political views and things like that or? uh, Yeah, mm -hmm. I try not to talk to those people about politics because (laughs) they like to say, oh, you guys are fake news. Okay, Um, Trump. Yeah. Trumpers, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I say. I just tell it like I just it don't is. try to get into it with them. But mm-hmm. just their perspective on a lot of things. Like, oh, you guys are city folks. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on. And mm-hmm. I'm like, just talk to mm-hmm. me about this shooting. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's the level of comfort, comfortability. Yeah. Just being comfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> for being me. Comfortable. I am from the city. I've always You're lived city in girl, huh? I'm a city girl. So yeah. well, you know, no horses city. and cows for you. No. Huh? So that, I feel very uncomfortable and out of place. Like Stillwater was a culture shock for me. I'd never been in a small town like that before. So when we get assigned to stuff like that, I was like, ooh, this is, yeah. there's only, you know, one main street is downtown. It's that, one street. It's one street in a block. Uh, You've never seen it before, uh-uh, huh? Not until I got to Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm a city girl, too, but just, I feel like I get put in situations as a reporter that I'm like, I would never be here ever if I wasn't a reporter. So right. I just try to embrace it and make the most out of it. You wouldn't be in something. Oklahoma, is that what you're saying, yeah, but just a small town. That's so different. Yeah, I yeah. think it's funny. Like um, I'm listening to Amber, and I'm I'm gonna say what no one else is gonna say. It's like funny, you know, Oklahoma. When you're a minority and you go into like an all white little town, or um, only once I can think of in my entire career have I ever really noticed, really really noticed that mm-hmm. I was like the only one. Um, what did um, that feel like? It was years ago when we were dealing with the. Um, chicken houses and and uh, the chicken poop over at Lake Uchi um, was that's where they had a lot of chicken uh, houses and farms and the manure was running into the water and, and mm-hmm. it was polluting our water source here so for a long time that was a huge story mm-hmm. and so one day so it's a, it's a balance that's their livelihood there mm-hmm. but also it's our health and wellness over here right so um, all the farmers had this big press conference or a big meeting and they wanted me to cover it and I walked into this big auditorium and everybody in there was white and I was the only black person there mm-hmm. and so it, I had noticed it but no one made me feel uncomfortable and I didn't feel uncomfortable long but it, I noticed it right. um, so now anymore I know so many people it doesn't really bother me but also People, we're all human, and I think more so uh, now than ever. While we do have our differences, people are just understanding that we're a diversified world, you know. So the fact that they may see Amber Hughes and Stillwater is not as shocking to them as it might be for her, mm-hmm. you know. They're not like, you know, right. they don't they don't not welcome us, but it's sometimes. I mean, it could be it's different. But so for me, I don't even look at it that way. I just am who I am. I'm doing what I do. Mm-hmm. Now I got the microphone, you know. <laughs> I got the microphone. Camera, you know? Yeah. So um, it's usually not, not an issue. That mm-hmm. microphone is a powerful thing, isn't it? Sometimes. You have to be responsible yeah. with it's it. A power, the mic is a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. I had to learn that, you know, how powerful it is. Yeah. yeah. People are good. I mean, people here have always been good. And I... Um, I know everyone has their own individual experience, so I can't speak for everybody, but I can just say that as far as uh, covering the news and, and going to different places, I've always been well-received. I mean, it's, I remember covering a, a tornado in Cherokee County, mm-hmm. and, you know, no one there looked like me, and people lost properties, and it was sad, and 
Um, you know, it was devastating. And when they saw me, they were happy and they wanted to take pictures. You know, like, oh, Kim Jackson's here. Can, want we to take take, a can we take a picture together? I'm like, you just lost your house. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's like, you don't smile in the picture, but it's like they want, if that's going to make them feel better. I've had, I had a, a memorable occasion that a lady lost her son. And man, that's the hardest part of my job is mm-hmm. when someone loses someone they love, calling them, approaching them, and asking them. Or to interview yeah, them. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. I, I know to, it could be. I bring myself down. I, I just bring it all in and just like, I am so sorry for what you're going through. So before I knocked on the door at this lady's house, um, I just you know, bought it all in. I said, you know, they, they may say no, and I'm so, I'm so sorry to have to do this. Um, and she was like, oh, hey, Kim is here. Kim is here. Come on in, Kim. <laughs> Not that they weren't sad, but they welcomed me, mm-hmm. and that touched me. I was like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, like, come on. Yeah, Kim, come on in here. Like, come on in here. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how people are. They've been. That's touchy. It's touching. Mm-hmm. It is because I, I was, I was saddened for what she lost, but um, by, I don't know, for for a brief moment, she was happy to see me. Yeah, you brought some joy to you know, for that moment. Um, and, it, and it just meant a lot that she was willing to trust me enough to talk to me about her incredible loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could imagine people who lost a loved one and her house had burnt down mm-hmm. and uh, car on fire or whatever and kids and children. But you guys have to endure that kind of stuff once you roll up on them. And then, like you said, you got to ask them for a story. Let me interview you. I think that's the worst part of the job. What? You know what I'm thinking about? Yeah. It. Mm-hmm. I like almost forget about it because I try to forget about it after that night because it's so sad. Mm-hmm. But that's also not a good way to go about it, I've learned. Does it affect you? After, say you witness something like that during the day and you go home, do you think about is it still on your mind, or do you just shug it out and keep going to the next? I shut it out. You shut it out. I don't really think about it. You'll never take it home. Home. Never take it home with you. Nothing. Mm. It's just your job, right? I wouldn't say that. Okay. I wouldn't say that. It's 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 unfortunate. I think after you've covered stories like that for a little while, sometimes, and it's just being in this industry. Sometimes you get insensitive or to or desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's something that happens. It's something that we cover. Sometimes it does feel like this is just part of my job. But when you get home, it's like, I, I covered a, you know, yeah. double murder today. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that in anybody else's life, that's not normal. Yeah, but, it's not. But for us, I mean, it becomes that's almost what, like the norm. That's huh? what we do. But the, you do have those stories that stick with you. Like um, I got called out to beg when that mom shot her three kids and killed two of them. Oh my God. I was out there for a week and I'm sitting here, like you're talking about talking to people, trying to see who would talk. And as the days went on, less and less people wanted to talk, but I'm still being sent out there day after day to cover cover this story. story, Right. And it's, it has to, and that's what management is important too, because it comes to a point, when are we human? You know, when do we say, okay, enough is enough. We've covered this. We just need to see what happens in court or, you know, what's next. Mm-hmm. But as far as reaching out to people and getting their opinion on what happened, it's a tragedy. So, like, for me personally, one of the things that I didn't like, I was sent to the funeral that we weren't invited to, you know. But, of course, they it, it's can a send you, They send you guys to funerals? 
we're outside the funeral. Okay, outside. We're outside. Mm-hmm. We're outside. The other, every, other, wanna, other stations were there, too. It yeah. wasn't just us. Everybody wants a story, right. right? But that day, they specifically said in the funeral, hey, there's media outside. Don't talk to them. As a person, you have to respect that. These are two children mm-hmm. who, you know, this community is, is bags, you know, outside on Mogi County. It's small. They're burying two kids. So if they made this announcement in the funeral, you have to come to the point where we have to respect that. But for hours, I was requested to ask people, you know, would you please talk to me? How was the funeral? Da, 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 da. And I'm telling them, like, it's not happening. It's not happening. Not today. And I have to respect, like, as a person, that's where you put your foot down. Like, I'm not doing this. I don't feel right doing this as a human because this is a tragedy yeah. that happened. So it's stories like that and having to deal with trying to do your job when this is some somebody's real life happening. Uh, that's the difficult part of this job, I think. Mm-hmm. Very so, difficult. Yeah. Okay, I take it back that I don't take it home at night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's, it's the shootings and things like that where I don't talk to the family. It's where I show up, police give me, what, tell me what happened, and then maybe I'll talk to a witness or something. But it's the scenes where the mom shows up and it's the first time she's finding out that her 16-year-old son was just shot. And yeah, maybe you're already there right and the mom shows up. Is yeah, that what you're saying? that mm-hmm. has happened a couple of times where they'll come screaming and, you know, I'm right there and I'm like, wow, this mm-hmm. is the worst moment of this woman's life right here. And I'm standing right here reporting on it. But that's when it becomes real, when we talk to the family. That's mm. the hardest thing yeah. we have to do. Wow. Yeah. Seeing the way people deal with death, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kim, you've had to deal with some of that, too, I'm pre- I presume, right? Yeah, a lot of uh, family stuff and coming up on the scene. And Yeah, I mean, and your question earlier was um, about taking things home. And I think yeah, taking it home. the one stories I take home are the ones that resonate more with me. Like one morning, I, I still I don't remember a lot of stories I covered when I was doing mornings over 20 years. I still remember a story I did many years ago of a woman who... Um, had gone outside to warm up her car, and uh, she—I think she worked in the school cafeteria. So she was just a mom worker, you know, a wife, and she was warming up her car because it was cold outside. She went back inside to finish getting ready, and when she went back outside, someone was still in their vehicle, mm. and she tried to hold on to the car and stop the person from taking the car, and she was run over. Mm. And it took her life. Yeah, she she died. And when we arrived on the scene, her body was laying in the street and it was covered. And it hurt my feelings because she was just doing what I do every day. And that's get up in the morning and go to work. And at the time, my garage door was broken. And so I think that morning I had warmed my car up before I got into it. And I was like, she's just doing what so many women do, just taking care of families, just getting ready to go to work. And now she will never come home again. And I still remember it. I still remember, you know, covering the Terrence Crutcher trial. Um, I took that home with me every single day uh, when Betty Shelby was on trial, the former police officer that shot and killed him, because that was such a big trial that if we didn't get there at a certain time in the morning, there was not room. I saw you there. There was not room Mm -hmm. in the courtroom. We Mm -hmm. couldn't get a seat. I mean, it was like Mm -hmm. you had to be there and get in line 
upstairs in yeah. the, you know, but also that story, you know, I took it home with me because I had a young son. I have three black sons. Mm-hmm. I took that home yeah. with me. What's happening here? You know, yeah. we had to go home and talk about that. Yeah, you had to get to that uh, courtroom early. I got there a few days early so I could get a seat in the courtroom. And I saw you see you up there. You yeah, we were in line. It was very stressful yeah, because besides the fact of what was at stake mm-hmm. um, in, in, in covering that trial and, and how people were feeling about his death, um, and what was happening around the nation at the time was just me still having to be a journalist and tell a story at the end of the day. And so I had to be in the courtroom. That was very, very stressful. It, you, it, and then you're in there, and in a trial like that, we took tabletfuls of notes. I mean, you're writing down everything. You really have to become like a, an expert on what you're covering. And that was hard. It was really, really hard. You know, I still remember the night of the verdict. Mm-hmm. I remember that vividly. Yeah, the night of that verdict, um, I had the opportunity. They left the courtroom floor and went up to the sixth or eighth floor or something like that. And I went up there, and Tiffany and them let me in. And I was up in there, when, and it was the emotions were running so high, so high up in there. I mean, every, the families were devastated, and it was just so intense. And Kuntzweiler and them was walking around up in there. And, Man, I was like, oh, this is really bad. But the, we take, and I took some of that home with me yeah. in my spirit and in my heart because I was feeling my feelings for the family and the community and the everybody was just at an utmost, it was just ugh, high intensity. I didn't know whether to be mad, so mad. I was so, well, I was so mad. I'd be mad and sad, mm-hmm. you know, that the system systematically freed her from what I call Bobby Eaton's call first degree murder. You know, so that's what I felt, you know, and I know you were there and a lot of the news media was there and cameras and lights, camera action. We had to cover and we have to cover both sides of any issue. Um, And as journalists, we have to be prepared to do that. But there are some stories that resonate with you for personal reasons um, and stories. Those are what unite all of us. I can tell you a story, you can tell me a story, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I can connect with you better. So these stories are so important that we have to tell. And, yeah, I mean, sometimes a story connects with your own personal story, and you take it home. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Those stories do that. So, Well, hey, we're going to take a little break. We've got a few more minutes left on the show. i got to pay some bills, you know, so, you know, <laughs> like that. So, hey, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show. This is where we tell our stories our way uh, every Monday, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on Saturdays like today uh, from 12 to 2 p.m. And I'm going to run down something right quick before I, like I said, pay all these bills and stuff. We've got a variety of shows over here at KBOB 89.9. And uh, my show, of course, which I just named. Uh, we've got a morning show starts at 7 to 9 a.m. We also, that's every day, Monday through Friday, two dog sports talk. Hey, but they be chopping it up, talking about sports every Tuesday, uh, 6 p.m. World One Development with Charles Harper and Damali Wilson coming here every Wednesday from, um, one o'clock to 2 p.m. Uh, let's see, Juice Radio Show. Well, let me back up. Real Life, Real Talk on Thursdays. Prima Donna Braddock and Jennifer Brown come in here. And that they're, 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 
they're they uh talk about women's issues, you know. So that's every Thursday from two to three thirty, you know. And then Ramal, the hometown heat, he's got a veteran show that's gonna be taking place at four o'clock. And also he's gonna be um uh, uh handling and working with the juice, which takes place every Thursday night at six PM to eight PM. That's on Thursday. Thursday's a busy day. Fridays what we got going on Fridays? Health of a Nation with Bob Caddy takes place. Health of a Nation at that's at twelve noon, and we got a new show, uh, Coupling with the Carlins, take place uh, every at four o'clock. You know, every Friday night. So, want you to tune in to their show. They're talking about relationships and and things like that. You know, and you know, it's it's a great show. Saturdays, my show of course, twelve noon. And then we got Dale, Mr. Groove Taylor comes on at 2.30 to 5, playing some of your favorite hits from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And later on that evening, DJ Richie Rich comes on, and he does a lot of mixes and things like that from 6 o'clock to about 10. And Sunday, it's the last last day. Sunday morning, Bishop Melvin Cooper is in here from 9 o'clock to 10. Then we got gospel on a Sunday up until about Two o'clock, and that's when D-Mac comes. D-Mac comes and plays that jazz. You know, he comes on at two o'clock every Sunday playing jazz until five o'clock. That's D-Mac. Got a great show. I've been getting a lot of reviews from him. That evening, what takes place, uh, right after uh, D-Mac's show, we got the His and Her show with Tim and Nicole Newton. They come in here every Sunday at... um, Six o'clock, and immediately after that, eight o'clock, it is the night shift with with uh, Negro Spiritual, Richard Baxter, Renee, Crystal Renee, and Tizzy come in here that night. So if you can't remember all that stuff, just go to our website, kbob899.com. Again, that's kbob899.com, and you can listen to us, and you can see all the shows and everything we have to offer over here at the radio station. Now, I want you guys to also know that we're more than just a radio station. What we are is we're community-based. We're involved in the community. We do things. We give out backpacks. We give out school supplies to kids. Uh, our latest uh, adventure is we're getting ready to start up a community garden for the community. Everybody, kids can come over and they can get involved and plant their tomatoes or whatever organization. So we've we've acquired the land. We've cleared the land off. Now we're getting ready to get into uh, the, you know, vegetation and all that stuff about it. I don't know how I don't know how to grow nothing. So, you know, I don't have no green thumb. So anyway, you can reach us. Here's the way you can get in touch with us. You can reach us on our Facebook page, KBOB 89.9. You know, or just Bobby Eaton, whatever you want to do. And uh, also, you can reach us. I'm going to give you guys my email address, eatonmusic2 at gmail.com. Again, that's E-A-T-O-N-M-U-S-A-M-U-S-I-C. I can't even talk. M-U-S-I-C, uh, the number two, at uh, gmail.com. So I want you to do that. So do that and get in touch with us. All right. Now it's time, they say, for me to... Come on, Bobby. You need to come on and go with it. You got to pay some of these bills. 
So let's do that. All right. We'll be right back in just a minute. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your credit starts with the three, four, five, or six. This is for you. Did you know that it's costing you to have bad credit? You can't get qualified for that house or apartment and you're paying high interest rates, along with paying high car insurance, and it may be costing you that job that you really want. What are you waiting on? Take more of a holistic approach. Pick up the phone and call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626. With 13 amazing services, we restore and repair generations to come. Once again, call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626. If you know better, you do better. Only the Credit Shiro can help you to save the day. How to order chicken wings. Number one, find a good wing spot. I know a wing spot. Match wings. Number two, decide if you want a combo or if you want to order a la carte. Huh? What's that? Well, combos come with chicken, veggie sticks, fries, and a drink for a discounted price. A la carte means that you order each item separately. Ah... Okay. Three, decide if you want bone-in, boneless, or cauliflower wings. And then determine the delicious flavor you want on your wings. I didn't even know cauliflower had wings. You learn something new every day. Have you been to Max Wings? Yep, yep, Max yep. Wings is located at 782 East Pine Street in Tulsa. We're open Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. and on Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Come to Max Wings, home of the dry rub fries. Searching for ways to grow your business? Or perhaps you would like to invest in Tulsa's African-American community? The Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce is a great place to start. The Chamber was created to serve and increase the visibility of needs in our community. It is an umbrella organization for local businesses, the Tulsa Juneteenth Festival, BWS Black Women in Business, and the Grassroot Economic Development Fund known as BWS The Power Group. For more information about the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce or to donate to the Power Group, visit bwschamber.com. Hey, it's Denise with Addie Mae's Food for the Soul, where we cater to vegan, Presbyterian, and everyday sultry soul food. We have Meatloaf Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, Chicken Wings Wednesdays, Turkey and Dressing Thursdays, Fish Fridays, Barbecue Saturdays, and Sundays is our sultry soul food. We're located at 5266 North Peoria. You can contact us for call-in orders at 918-845-2989. And we also deliver with DoorDash. Hope to see you soon. PJ Publishing Incorporated announces a new book release, The Entrepreneurial Woman. The World is Your Playground by Angela K. Chambers, MES. Available right now for pre-order at payhip.com slash B slash N B capital A capital C. The book release is set to hit June 1st, 2020. If you're ready to publish your book, visit us online at www.pnjpublishing.com. Unleash that book that's inside of you with PNJ Publishing. Everybody. 
What's up, y'all? This is Charlie Wilson, and you listen to 89.9 FM, Bobby Eaton Show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Lester Troutman. It's Zap Troutman. From the group Zap. And when we in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we always listen to... Hey, it's Alfred Woodard. When I'm in Tulsa, I keep it on K-Bob. That's how I find out what's really happening. KBOB 89.9 FM. Oh, yeah. Hey, we're back here on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. We've got a great group of uh, young females in the building. So we've been talking about Kim Jackson, Amber Hughes, and Brooklyn DeGumba. DeGumbia. DeGumbia. I got to get that right. DeGumbia. You got it right the first time. Yeah, I got it right the first time. You know, I got to, you know. That's that, that's that senior citizen in you know coming out. We've been talking about a host of a lot of different things since we've been on the show today. And what's in the future for you guys? Where do you see you guys going? You know, in the future. Anybody? Well, I think um, I'll just start off. I think that um, things are kind of uncertain right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the media, it's constantly changing. So we just, we just, I'll put it like this. We just got to stay ready for what's next. I mean, I'm here. I've been here 20 years. I'll celebrate 20 years uh, at Channel 8 this year. So um, this year? Yep. This year will be 20 years at KPL. When? What day? It'll be um, August the 1st. August? Either July 28th or August. I can't remember now. It's, mm-hmm. it's right there. Okay. The end of it's, July. it's passed already, huh? You said August? I'm sorry. sorry 21. The next 21. Year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, it has passed. You're right. So this was my 19th year. Next year, 21 will be mm-hmm. when I started. My son was one. Boom. My last son was mm-hmm. one. So. Yeah. He's a great young man, too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. For me, in the near future, in 2021, I will hopefully be moving to Texas. Yeah, I know nobody likes to hear that. Yeah, but that's, you ready? Go that's to the, that's you the ready reality. To go back, huh? That's what you want to do, huh? Yeah, it's it's part of my. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I got to. Yeah, yeah, my husband here, he's here teaching. Mm-hmm. Part of the deal with okay. getting married, we got to go back home. So mm-hmm. we're going back home. Now mm-hmm. I want to be there too. So okay, newlyweds, married. Yes. Children on the brain. No. <laughs> not right now. Said, not right now. I got huh? some more time. Got some, no got, sir. A lot of work to do, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. 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 Um, I'll probably be in the business for another year, year and a half. But I'm gonna move over to the social media side of things. Oh, you going social day. media, huh? Yeah. Like my Whoa. own YouTube channel. Yeah. Or I don't know, complex. Is there know. is there a conflict by doing that right now when you're with a? a TV station to have your own YouTube channels and stuff like that. And I know a lot of reporters that do it. They they have the independent. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they get paid off of it. Mm-hmm. But I've never tried it at this station. Mm-hmm. We're all social media though. Like I mean, our jobs have changed so much. We're yeah. all mm-hmm. we're all multi level multimedia. Multimedia. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to be in the day these days and time. You got to be connected with everything. Mm-hmm. I try to connect. I just try to co- connect myself with all kinds of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Well, wow. Well, we've had a great time here today. I want to thank each and every one of you for taking time out of y'all's busy schedule. <laughs> you know, y'all just all over the place, you know, to come over here to the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. And I just want to say thank you. No problem. Appreciate you. Right. Thank you, Bobby. Thanks for all having right. us. Yes. Okay. Well, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. We had a great show. We got a great show. Uh, did you want to say something, Kim? Yeah, yeah I just wanted to say, Bobby, and to everybody, have a happy Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. That's right. Don't eat too much turkey. <laughs> Thank you. You, you, you turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> That's you eating too much turkey, right? Don't get too many plates there, hey, Bobby. Y'all bring, me, y'all bring me a plate now. Come okay. on now. I'm, I'm putting my bed in. Somebody bring Bobby a plate. Okay? All right. Until the next time. We want you to have a good one and, you know, just stay safe over these holidays right here. We want you to really stay safe. And that's what it's all about. You know, so I'm just going to stay safe. So, all right. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, the all new KBOB 89.9 FM, Black on Black Community Radio. Just go!